The wait is over. O-Line U has a new man in charge, and he goes by the name of Joe Rudolph. In today's episode, I'm going to be joined by Mike McDaniel of Sports Illustrated to tell you everything you need to know about the man who will be tasked with filling the shoes of Harry Heastan and lead one of the nation's top offensive line units in 2023 and beyond. All that more coming up next on Locked On Irish. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making this your first listen today and every day. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. Plus, you can watch a show on YouTube as well. When I started recording yesterday, I had zero subscribers on YouTube. We made a little progress on that front so far after just one day, but we've still got a long way to go. So please head over to YouTube now if you're not there already. Like the video below and subscribe to the channel. Plus, you can give us a follow on Twitter at Lockdown Irish or on Instagram at Lockdown Irish Pod. My name is Tyler Wojcik, and I'm the host. I graduated from Notre Dame in 2018. I've been podcasting about the football team since 2020, and I'm also a producer for college football talent at Fox Sports headquarters in Los Angeles. In case you missed it, Tom Loy of 24-7 Sports and Irish Illustrated broke the news on Monday morning that Notre Dame is expected to name former Virginia Tech offensive line coach and run game coordinator Joe Rudolph as its next offensive line coach. Oddly enough, Rudolph had not yet done his formal interview by the time the report came out. That's expected to happen today on Tuesday and will likely include some of the higher ups at Notre Dame before they make things officially official. And you know how Notre Dame is when it comes to this stuff. I swear they take forever ever before they can make an official announcement when it comes to hiring assistants. But I do think this will happen in short order. But considering Rudolph has already announced that he's leaving Virginia Tech and Hokies head coach Brent Pry has already sent Rudolph a farewell message on Twitter, wishing him well at Notre Dame, we're going to treat it like it's official here on this podcast. Rudolph only spent one season at Virginia Tech after serving as the associate head coach and offensive line coach at Wisconsin for the previous seven years. While at Wisconsin, Rudolph coached five first-team All-Americans, and in 2017, his unit finished as a semifinalist for the Joe Moore Award presented to the nation's top offensive line unit. So coming up next, Mike McDaniel, the news writer for Sports Illustrated, not the Miami Dolphins head coach. He's going to join me to go in-depth on what Notre Dame is getting in its next O-line coach, Mike Rupp, a Notre Dame fan, has covered Virginia Tech football for the past eight, eight seasons, I believe. So he's got plenty of great insight on Rudolph's past and what he'll bring to the table for the Fighting Irish. I learned a lot from this conversation. I think you will, too. So let's bring him on. Here's Mike McDaniel. All right, Mike McDaniel of Sports Illustrated joins us now. Mike, first off, congratulations on being the first guest here on Locked On Irish. The plaque is already in the mail. It should be at your house by the end of the week. Is that is that cool? I was going to say, this is also the first time I've talked to you really in, in person since you made your famous appearance on the now defunct Tyus and Tate show. So. <laughs> RIP, um, man. RIP. I feel like in the, I'm in the presence of a celebrity. So, so. <laughs> Okay. I think that's a little, you're giving me a little bit too much credit there, but I appreciate you taking the time to come on today. Obviously, we know the headline, Notre Dame hiring Joe Rudolph from Virginia Tech. So let's get into the meat of it here. What is Notre Dame getting in, Ju- in Joe Rudolph as its next offensive line coach? Well, I mean, contrary to what some Virginia Tech fans think, um, you're getting a really good offensive line coach. Now, he, I mean, his resume speaks for itself, right? Spent all that time at Wisconsin and developed into a really, really solid offensive line coach there, one of the best assistants in the Big Ten. Leaves that job for Virginia Tech, and the way I understand it is, you know, Paul Chris was on his way out at Wisconsin. The writing was kind of on the wall. Things were running stagnant there. And, you know, he reached out to Brent Pry when Brent Pry gets a Virginia Tech job and 
it's kind of like, hey, man, throw me a lifeboat because I, I need some job security. Right. And he ends up in Blacksburg, which for Virginia Tech, that was a big time hire. You know, it was one of the first assistants that Brent Pry hired. and He kind of made a splash right away and kind of bring Rudolph in. It was like, all right, Virginia Tech's a little bit more serious about their football program now, which hadn't been the case really in better part of a decade. So that was a big deal for Virginia Tech. And then the offensive line really struggled this year. So, you know, the honeymoon period was over for Joe Rudolph. But I think what a lot of fans, at least in the Virginia Tech fan base, kind of underestimate is the fact that Tech was having a lot of personnel issues. And I think now kind of, you know, you take Rudolph and he leaves, you know, Blacksburg to go to South Bend. I think he's going to be dealing with obviously much better personnel. Notre Dame historically has had some really good offensive linemen. They obviously recruited a much higher level than Virginia Tech. So I think he's going to have a little bit more to work with. So I think what Notre Dame fans should expect is you're getting a really good offensive line coach with a great reputation. And I don't think Marcus Freeman would have hired him if he didn't have the kind of reputation that he has. Yeah. So let's talk about his time at Virginia Tech, because I did see some fans who are kind of like good riddance because of uh, the fact that his unit just wasn't really impressive last year. But he has the pedigree. It was a big deal, like you said, when he came over to Virginia Tech in the first place. So I actually remember watching that game against NC State. I think Virginia Tech had like, I think it was 10 false starts, which isn't, it's not great. It's not necessarily a great reflection of the offensive line coach, but that's not necessarily all on the coach. A lot of that has to do with the players. So I think it's fair to ask, though, what went wrong for Rudolph's group at Virginia Tech in 2022? Was it just lack of talent? I mean, I think lack of talent was a big part of it. Now, I mean, the coaching staff would be like, all right, we, we can't make too many excuses. At least that's what they say publicly. But I mean, realistically, you know, Pry and his staff, when they got to Blacksburg, kind of knew what they were walking into. It was a situation where Fuente hadn't recruited well, especially on the offensive line. And the offensive linemen that, you know, did play a significant role, they had all moved on by the time Pry got back. Pry got to Blacksburg. So, I mean, you think of like Christian Darisaw, for example, obviously a really good offensive lineman now for the Vikings. He wasn't in Blacksburg anymore when Brett Pry got there, right? So, you know, Tech is really trying to replace some key pieces up front, you know, when Pry got to Blacksburg and, you know, Rudolph has, you know, a couple of young guys on the offensive line, a couple of veterans, but the veterans were kind of in new roles. They hadn't really started a significant period of time with, you know, the exception of Silas Janzi, who, you know, had kind of an up and down year. So Virginia Tech really just struggled from a personnel standpoint. The pre-snap penalties were a major issue. I think that's you know, something that, you know, can be put on Rudolph a little bit, but I think also can, can be put on the players. It's really hard to pass blame when, you know, you know, the expectations are pretty low up front. But, you know, I think Virginia Tech's offensive line did get better as the year went on. Again, it was never a great unit, but there was some improvement in the back few games of the year, which kind of gave Tech fans optimism heading into this year. But now with Rudolph gone, you know, it's back to the drawing board for the Hokies. And, you know, I think fans are going to realize that it's really hard to replace a coach of any caliber, but especially Joe Rudolph's caliber kind of this time of year, right? I mean, you're entering March, you're getting it, you know, right before spring ball. There's, you know, unless you're kind of prying somebody off of somebody else's staff, like it's kind of tough to hire a guy who, you know, can replace Joe Rudolph. And I think fans are going to understand that pretty quickly. If the offensive line is kind of remaining stagnant, they're going to probably wish that Joe Rudolph was still in Blacksburg, especially if he has some success up at ND. We'll be right back with Mike McDaniel, but I wanted to take this opportunity to tell you about Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all of the fat and calories, then you've got to try a Built Bar. We're all trying to get, eat a little healthier, but don't always want to sacrifice taste with Built. Healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't think they're good for you. 
What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate and come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, cookies and cream, and so much more. I just tried the cookies and cream flavor for the first time, and it was awesome. These bars taste like candy, but only have 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. And by the way, you don't need to wait around to get a box either. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. So head to your nearest Walmart or Sam's Club, walk to the pharmacy section, grab yourself a box of Built Bars, and you'll thank me later. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the, the false start penalties and how we distribute blame from player to coach because one player at Notre Dame who is extremely talented was Liam Eikenberg, but he struggled with pre-snap penalties throughout his career. Now, I don't think... Like, I still think he's a great player, but it was just something that he dealt with. I think it's a player-to-player thing, but obviously some of that does fall on the coach. Now, one thing we know is that talent won't be an issue in the group he inherits uh, once he gets to South Bend because Notre Dame is returning a first-team All-American at left tackle and Joe Alt, I think a future NFL starter at right tackle and Blake Fisher. Zeke Corral is a fifth-year senior at center. Uh, I thought he was really impressive at the end of last season. So what do you think are realistic expectations for his group in year one? under Rudolph. I mean, much higher. I mean, the, the personnel speaks for itself, right? I mean, I think the expectations are much higher than they were at Virginia tech. Now, you know, what I will say is if, if you kind of see those pre-snap penalties crop up again, you're going to kind of be scratching your head wondering, all right, is this more of a Joe Rudolph problem now? If you're seeing it kind of at two different places, right. And you're seeing it kind of successive year over year. But the one thing I will say is, you know, Notre Dame's got the personnel. Virginia Tech doesn't have anybody of that caliber up front, right? And they've had, like, an alignment here or there, but they haven't had Notre Dame's success of putting guys in the pros up front. And, you know, I think that's where Joe Rudolph is really going to kind of enjoy kind of getting in the weeds in year one up in South Bend with Marcus Freeman because he's going to be in a situation where it's like, oh, my God, I have actual linemen here that are like fourth and fifth year guys who have been around, have, have seen stuff, have played big time games, right? You didn't have a lot of that at Virginia tech when he got there with Brent Pry. So, you know, entering year two with Freeman, you know, year one for Rudolph, I, I think he'll be much more comfortable. Plus he's back in kind of big 10 country, right? He's back in the Midwest where he's used to recruiting. Um, I think that's going to be significant and, and pay dividends for Notre Dame um, in that, in that department as well. Yeah, and I think some Notre Dame fans are also looking at that year of Virginia Tech like, well, what happened there? But that doesn't – like one season doesn't wipe away seven years of great work at Wisconsin. You know what I mean? I I agree. <laughs> um, I totally agree. Uh, you know, the fan – it'll be interesting to see how Notre Dame fans kind of – kind of react to, you know, maybe if there were some early struggles, for example, next season up front, it'll be interesting to see how the fan base reacts to South Bend. Cause I, I know how Notre Dame fans are. I grew up a Notre Dame fan. Obviously <laughs> I know how the fan base is. Um, I, I think that they'll be quick to judge Joe Rudolph and they'll be like, we, this is what we get for picking him off of a three win team in Blacksburg. And you know I what? I don't think that's necessarily <laughs> fair, you know? No, it's not fair, but luckily for Joe is he's kind of got Jared Parker He's already assumed the role of a yeah. would-be punching back if things don't go well. Now, I think Jared Parker's going to do really well in his first season. A large part of that has to do with the fact that he has Sam Hartman at quarterback. But mm-hmm. it's interesting how we talk about assistant coaches, right? Because you could just look at the results in any of this stuff and be like, oh, this team did well, good assistants. This team did poorly, bad assistants. And it's really hard for us as fans and also as people who who talk about the sport because – 
we have the benefit of hindsight, right? We can look at the results, but we don't know what's going on every day in practice and, and, you know, what's going on behind the scenes. So that's what I want to get to next with Rudolph here, because I'm curious, like based on what you've heard about his time at Virginia Tech, let's put the results aside as a person. What's he like? What is Notre Dame getting? Because Notre Dame has a pretty unique culture and in the football program as a whole, but especially that offensive line room. So how do you think he'll fit in with the culture of Notre Dame specifically in that room? I think the the culture in the offensive line room at Notre Dame is kind of a similar culture that Pry wants to build in Blacksburg, like hard nose grinding. Um, you know, we're going to be the hardest working group on the field. Like Pry wants that kind of attitude at Virginia Tech again. You know, kind of that lunch pail mentality is what they call it in Blacksburg. You know, the the Frank Beamer, Bud yeah, Foster. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, that's, that's kind of what Pry wants. Right? And Joe Rudolph, I think, was a guy who, you know, coaches guys in the trenches who are going to do just that. And I think that's why he'll be a great fit at Notre Dame. Um, very similar attitude. It's very Big Ten, right? And I know Notre Dame, I hate the thought of being in a conference, but it's very like Big Ten, grounded pound football. Like, that's what Pry wants to do with the offense in Blacksburg. He wants to run like a Big Ten system where it's like kind of like Penn State where they spread out a little bit, but they they don't mind like lining up and just pounding it with 11 personnel. I think that's the attitude, right, that that Joe Rudolph has, you know, tried to instill at Virginia Tech and definitely instill in Wisconsin. We kind of look at what the Wisconsin offenses look like. And if you think about how Tommy Reese ran his system, we'll see what, what Parker does, right, moving forward. But how Tommy Reese ran his system where he was like, I'm perfectly content, run the ball 35 times a game. Joe Rudolph would welcome that, I think, as the offensive line coach because that's kind of what he was used to at Wisconsin. I think that's what they were trying to build at Virginia Tech. So I think he's a really good cultural fit. I, I think he'll be great in the locker room from everything I understand. All the guys really like being coached by him. Um, he's a guy who brings it every day. I think he culture wise, I think it's a home run higher. Right. And I think from an experience standpoint, there are very few assistants in college football on the offensive line that have the pedigree that Joe Rudolph has. So, I mean, I think it's one of the top two or three offensive line coaches in the country, in my opinion. And I think him showing up to South Bend, I think it'll be a, it's, it's a big hire for Marcus Freeman, in my opinion, in off season that's been a little bit rocky, obviously. You know, it has been it's somewhat of a turbulent offseason. Some of it might have been overblown, but it's it's interesting you mentioned uh, Marcus Freeman and the connection there because Rudolph and Freeman actually crossed paths way back at Ohio State when Freeman was actually still playing. He was a linebacker, and Rudolph was a GA, and then he became a strength coordinator for the Buckeyes. Freeman has built a staff that he's pretty familiar with, especially after the promotion of Jared Parker to offensive coordinator. The hire of Gina – let me get this right – Gino – Gaduli to be the quarterbacks coach, even though that hasn't been made official yet. I don't know what's taken them so long. Uh, and now you have Rudolph. So Freeman's pretty familiar with all these guys. There's a pretty clear trend here. So I'd love to know what you think about it and, and how it might play out in the future, because I think some Notre Dame fans, when they hear about a coach who's, uh, who's hiring, I don't want to say his buddies, but guys that he know knows and he's worked well with in the past, they get like PTSD and think about Brian Van Gorder and some of the guys that Brian <laughs> Kelly hired at Notre Dame. I don't think that's the case, but I'm, I'm curious to hear how you feel about it. I'm very familiar as a Virginia tech alum, um, watching Justin Fuente hire all his friends and then be too scared <laughs> to fire them. So I, I get that from a PTSD standpoint, right? Um, look, I mean, I, I think if Freeman has the guts to move on when something's not working, 
I think it's fine. I don't think it's a big deal, right, to hire your buddies. Everybody's got connections in the sport. Everybody wants to bring in guys they're familiar with. That's a common thread across college football. The guys that last are the coaches who aren't afraid to make the tough decisions, right? Cut bait with a really good friend, you know, cut bait with somebody who's been with you a long time, right? That's something that Brian Kelly did after the four and eight year in 2016, right? He cleans house with the major coordinators and then Notre Dame goes on a run where they win 10 games a bunch of years in a row. Virginia Tech didn't do that with Justin Fuente. He gets fired. Clemson has taken like a half step back because they did some weird stuff with offensive coordinator, right? And they kept Tony Elliott probably a year too long. Then he goes to Charlottesville at UVA. Brandon Streeter has been an assistant under uh, Dabo at Clemson for like, what, 20 years? He's been with Dabo forever. He's been on the Clemson staff forever. He's been with Dabo since he got there at Clemson. And the question going into the offseason was, will Dabo fire his buddy? And he did, right? And he brings in Garrett Riley. And that's something that took a lot of guts because Streeter had been with him since the jump, right, at Clemson. So I don't think it's a big deal to hire your friends. I don't think that Notre Dame fans should be too worried about it. I think where the concern comes in is if – Joe Rudolph puts together like three really poor offensive lines in a row, you know, would Marcus Freeman have the guts to now cut bait with a guy who historically has been really well-respected across the sport. And then number two is a guy that he respects and likes and, and really wanted to be there and wanted, wanted to be there and want him there to work out. It just doesn't, right. Will he cut bait? That's the question, right. And, and that's really a question for Freeman as a new head coach anyways. Like, is he going to be able to make those tough decisions where, you know, the fans probably are in full support of you making those types of calls with offensive coordinators, but you know, are, are you going to, you know, be there and make the tough calls? And, and that's the, that's the question with Freeman. That's the question with all, you know, first time head coaches and even some of the veteran head coaches like Dabo Swinney who have had, you know, success and the highest of highs in the sport of one national championships. Are you willing to evolve? And sometimes that involves making tough decisions. And if you can make those, I think you'll last. Well, hopefully he doesn't have to make those decisions. Hopefully every hire just kicks ass and they all dominate and they never has to cut bait or do any of this stuff. Right. It's funny you mentioned Kelly. I actually remember he fired Mike Denbrock from Notre Dame. I'm pretty sure Denbrock was in his way. Yeah. 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 And then then he rehired him at at LSU. So I guess. Oh, yeah. Everything's fine there. I mean, Virginia Tech, Justin Fuente had Brad Cornelson as offensive coordinator. The whole fan base hated Cornelson and Fuente wouldn't make the call to fire him and Cornelson was the best man in Fuente's wedding. So it was like, you know, at some point you probably got to make a, make a tough decision (laughs) there and he wouldn't do it. So he's no longer the coach because of it. Yeah. That's unfortunate. That's going to be weird when you're looking back at old wedding photos. You're like, God, I did fire that guy. (laughs) (laughs) That's why, that's why Brian Kelly rehired Denbrock, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's what you got to do in this industry. But again, hopefully, hopefully Freeman doesn't have to make that to make those hard decisions because I do think uh, that things will go pretty well. The one thing about Rudolph though, is like if he does have a bad season, I mean, literally just one, if things go wrong with the offensive line this year, expectations are so high. And I would say for good reason, given the talent on the roster, but like, I, I don't even think he could afford to have an average season. If that makes sense. Yeah. And you know, the Notre Dame fan base is not stupid, right? So they're going to look yeah. back at, at the struggles Virginia Tech had with the offensive line this year, and they're going to be like, you know, is this a coach kind of on the outs, right? Is this a coach kind of on the downside of his career? That's going to be a logical question, especially when you return a, a couple of All-American candidates on the offensive line at Notre Dame. You know, if the Irish have a kind of a tough year up front, they're having trouble protecting Sam Hartman. 
I think it's going to be a logical question, right? And I think it's going to lead some fans also to wonder like, okay, why was he looking to get out of Wisconsin so bad, right? Was that a situation where Paul Chris was looking to make a change or was that really the situation where, you know, Rudolph was trying to get away from a bad situation in and of itself? You know, I think fans are going to start asking those questions. And I think for good reason, if the offensive line does struggle. Yeah. So expectations are high. The pressure is high, but again, I, I think, He's he's going into such a good situation that he should have success. But looking forward now, because I don't think Freeman intends for this for Rudolph to be around for just you know a year or two. Right. I, I think that he expects that Rudolph will be the offensive line coach for uh, the foreseeable future. Now, what that means for an assistant coach anymore? I mean, hell, three years seems like an eternity now to have right. one guy with the program. So let's talk about recruiting because Marcus Freeman loves to recruit. He makes sure it's a priority for every single member of his staff. I, I know I was looking it up beforehand. I Rudolph uh, picked up some great recruits when he was at Wisconsin. Now I Good. would say it's probably a little bit easier to recruit offensive linemen at Wisconsin <laughs> right. because of the history there and the location and all that. It didn't, he didn't have a great class as far as I understand at Virginia tech this year, but what do you know about his recruiting acumen? Yeah. I mean, basically what you just said, right. Um, good recruiter at Wisconsin clear that he was comfortable recruiting offensive linemen to that scheme, which, I mean, I think it's pretty easy if you're an offensive lineman from the Midwest. I think you would love to go play at Wisconsin, right? Um, it's obvious that, you know, he was comfortable there. Going to Blacksburg, maybe not so much, but again, it's kind of like how much of this do you put on the staff, right? Because it, number one, you have a transition class, and then number two, like your first true class, you're really kind of you know, starting from the ground up, you're trying to reestablish relationships. It's been a priority in Virginia for Virginia Tech to kind of reestablish the relationships in state that were kind of burned with Justin Fuente. So, you know, how much headway could you really make, right? Um, if you're Joe Rudolph. So I wouldn't I wouldn't look too much into kind of the struggles at Virginia Tech from a recruiting standpoint. Cause I think there's a lot of other factors um in play there. But I think what Rudolph will be able to do at Notre Dame is kind of something similar to what he was able to do at Wisconsin, right? It's pretty easy to recruit offensive linemen to Notre Dame, right? I understand yeah. that Notre Dame's got, you know, Notre Dame's got, you know, their own set of circumstances in terms of like, you can only recruit a certain type of athlete to get into school there, all that stuff that's always overblown. If they want an offensive lineman that's really good, they're going to get the offensive lineman, right? And I yeah. think Rudolph's going to be much more comfortable, you know, recruiting at Notre Dame than Virginia Tech it's just different, right? It, it's easier to recruit to Notre Dame when, you know, you look up and you see how many draft picks they've had and your sell is, Hey, we put guys in the pros. It's like, okay, well, sounds good. And, and guys are going to sign on. And there's just a history there of success in the offensive line room at Notre Dame. That's just simply not present at Virginia tech. Again, Virginia tech's had a couple, a couple success stories. Wyatt Teller, Christian Darisaw, you know, some pretty good offensive linemen have come out of Blacksburg but not as consistently as Notre Dame where they're putting somebody, somebody in the pros, at, at, you know, who's playing at an extremely high level, like once every two or three years, that's not what's happening in Blacksburg. So it's just different. I think Joe Rudolph will be much more comfortable recruiting to Notre Dame than he, than he was at Virginia tech in his one year. As far as the struggles in Blacksburg, I wouldn't, I wouldn't kind of look too much into that or worry too much about that in terms of like how he can recruit his recruiting acumen. All right, man, this has been great. Tell the people where they can find you. At Mike McDaniel SI for better or worse, uh, sportsillustrated.com, SI.com. Um, I'm, I'm a news writer there. So if there's a breaking news story, I'm probably writing it or somebody on the team's writing it. So go check my stuff out there. Um, Hokey Hangover podcast if you're into Virginia Tech coverage. And then Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast for ACC football stuff. 
Well, look at that. All those jobs, and you still managed to find 20 minutes to come on this show. Mike McDaniel, thanks for coming on being the first guest ever on Lockdown Irish. I'm honored, man. Appreciate it. That's going to do it for me today. Thanks again to Mike for joining us on the show, and thanks to you for making us your first listen today. Please remember to subscribe to the show if you're listening to the podcast, and if you're watching on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to the channel. And don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter, at Irish and on Instagram, at Pod. For your second listen, check out our brand-new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court before we get to the madness of March. Plus, hear from big-name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape, all on Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. I'll see you guys tomorrow.